Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Why don't you uh, stand to your feet right now? Let's get right into the Word. This is Palm Sunday. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Uh, I got a word that, I don't know, it's maybe a little different for a Palm Sunday uh, for you today, but uh, this has been something I've been praying about for the last few weeks. I've had this message for a while. This is something I believe God is doing uh, in the earth today. I believe he is, I believe we're beginning to see um, something that could be very big in, in, in our nation today with these revivals that are breaking out uh, in Asbury and in other places. I don't know if you've been keeping up on them. Uh, but I believe the Lord is, is beginning to do something. If you got those slides ready, uh, Larence, go all the way to the bottom of the slides. There's some college kids, students there. Throw one of them up there. Throw that first one up. This is what's going on when Asbury broke out. I'm sure you've probably seen that. Since then, this was the beginning when the outpouring poured out. Uh, then they moved over to another place. Go to the next slide. This March 30th. This is a place right outside of Asbury. This is spring break. I know folks are on spring break, and you probably see videos of what's going on in spring break. But there's also a group of young people that are doing this. And it's not getting a lot of coverage because there's a lot of other big stuff in the news right now. But as a matter of fact, put that last slide up. This is what God is doing in our young people in secular universities right now across our country. Why don't you take a look at that? Look at Texas A&M. I just want you to see what God is doing with the generation of, of Gen Zers who people thought these are the most confused and most far from God. I mean, we have the, the gender thing, the LGBT thing, and, and these people don't seem to be hungry for God. Isn't it just like God to pick that very generation? How many saw the Jesus revolution? You think uh, a bunch of hippies would, would have a movement, but look what God did in the 60s. I said, I, I'm just wanting us to see that this perhaps could be the beginning of something bigger than a couple of kids praying at Asbury. I, I, just, I want you to see this today. How many would love to be a part of something that God does in the last day? Hallelujah. I told you it's a different Palm Sunday service. What kind of, I'm going to use a scripture here in Mark 11. We traditionally talk about Jesus riding in on the donkey and they take palm branches, hence the name Palm Sunday, and they wave them, welcoming Jesus Christ into Jerusalem uh, in the last week of his ministry. He is arrested and crucified Friday. We have a good Friday this Friday at 7 o'clock, and then he raises from the dead on Sunday. This is the beginning of the Passion Week. We normally talk about that. But I want to talk about what happened there in, in verse 15. Jesus comes straight to the temple after they celebrate him. He goes right to the church, and he's not happy with what he sees in the church. And how many know the Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God? In other words, God starts with his people before he begins uh, to expect anybody else to get right. So he comes to the temple, and this is what he does. And, and I believe it's prophetic of what God is wanting to do today and he wants to do it in your heart and in my heart if we'll let him verse 15 so they came to jerusalem then jesus went into the temple and began to drive out he's in the church and he's driving out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned tables the money changers and the seats and the seats there were people that just were sitting out there watching the show 
of those who sold doves. And he would not allow, a verse everybody skips over, he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Hmm. Then he taught. He didn't scream. Like people think he was, he might have been yelling, but he also taught. He stopped and he taught, especially to his disciples. And he says, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Everybody say, for all nations. Everybody see that. But you have made it a den of thieves. And then he rebukes the disciples. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray your presence to be with us today. Have your way in our hearts in our lives, in our nation. Oh, Lord, let a revival sweep across this nation. People will drop our divisions and things that divide us and will seek you once again. Let us learn. As you said, a child will lead them. Let us look. You have perfected praise from the mouths of babes. Father, let us see what you're doing in this younger generation. Let it, Father sweep across all generations could this be something you're doing today in jesus name i wanted you to give my title to your neighbor look at him and say are you ready for a reset ask the person on the other side do you need a fresh start you may be seated today is it time for a reset resets are good I was looking at my fishing pole in the garage the other day, and I can't wait to go fishing. How many fishermen we have? Sometimes, but sometimes you got to reset your hook, right? You, you, there, so resetting is, is a good thing. You have reset sometimes if you go bowling. How many bowlers we have? Sometimes you go bowling and you can't bowl. you got to hit that reset button, right? A reset is something that we do that removes the clutter and allows the purpose to continue. That's what a reset is for. Um, many other examples I can give you, but I want to get into this. I do remember when I first got saved, my mom and dad wanted me to attend this church that was in our neighborhood, but the Lord was just, uh, I, I just didn't want to go there from the neighborhood. I did a lot of uh, bad things, and, and I just needed, I needed a fresh start is what I told my dad, and I said, I need to go to a church that nobody knows me, so I picked a big church had good doctrine, so it was, it was Detroit World Outreach is where we got our start. So we went there, and my dad said, oh, you want to go and hide in the church, huh? <laughs> I said, yeah. And he said, I said, actually, I, I want to go somewhere where nobody knows me, where I can get a fresh start. So I took my family and uh, went up into that church and walked into the foyer, and, a, and all these people was walking around, and a lady right in the middle said, Eddie Markham, <laughs> I heard you got saved. We were so happy. This is my, look who comes here. And she starts pulling all these families. I'm going, how many of the church world is smaller than you think? And I said, wow. So there went that idea. But you know what? God did reset my life because here's why. Because I was wanting him to do it on the inside of me. How many know you can change locations geographically, but if you don't get the problem fixed in your life, you're just going to bring the same problem to another place. Come on, somebody. How many know you can change jobs, you can change churches, you can get up and move neighborhoods, you can change boyfriends and girlfriends, but if we don't let God reset our hearts, we're going to have the same problem, the same mountain, the same issue no matter where we go. I need some amens in this Baptist church this morning. 
So God is not into geographical changes. He is into transformational changes on the inside of our lives, inside of our heart. He wants to get that mind renewed. He wants to get that flesh on the altar. I'm preaching already. Have you started? He's wanting a transformation. He's wanting a change. And we can change policies and we can argue over politics until we're blue in the face. And there might be some truth on every camp that's out there. But until we have a heart change, we're not going to see a real change in our country today. We all got quiet real quick. Do you see that? It's a heart change. Policy's good, but a heart is better that has changed before God. Could this be that this is what the Lord is doing, is he's wanting to bring? Is what I love about the Asbury and these other revivals is they're going right back to the, to the organic, classical Christianity. Nothing hype, nothing flashy, singing some older songs, young people just praying for one another and repenting of their sin. That's what today in this message about a reset, what Jesus is actually doing when he came to church. Many theologians believe that Jesus did this actually more than one time in his ministry. He did it at the beginning of the ministry and again at the end. I don't know, but we know he did it here. And I also believe prophetically that this is what the Lord is wanting to do with the churches in America. I don't know what other is going on across the world, but I think in America we need a reset in our churches. So what God is into recess, and I can give you a bunch of them, but the biggest, the most popular, and the first one is when God brought the children of Israel out of uh, slavery, out of Egyptian slavery. These were God's people for 430 years. He, they were in slavery, and so God brings them out. And what does he do? He has to do a reset before he brings them into the promised land. Because if he brings the same mindsets, the same attitudes, the same problems from Egypt into the promised land, they're going to make the promised land look just like Egypt. So this is why God, if you really read the story, God told Moses to bring the children of Israel to the mountain so they can get to know who I am. We got to get to know the promiser before we start claiming the promises. So he says in Exodus, he says, from now on, everybody say from now on, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. This is going to be the beginning of you. You're going to have to start over. And I don't know, restart. There's not, there's really no such thing as a, as a neat reset. I don't know. It's usually going to cost something. You may update your phone or reset your phone. Sometimes you lose some stuff when you do that. But, uh, you know, you have to reset. My generation had the experience of, of video games. And you see the graphics there. How I many know what is all about? I don't care what your score is, when that thing freezes, you're going to get so mad because you're going to lose all your data. But if you want to continue, you got to hit the reset. Everybody know what I'm talking about. So resets aren't always pretty, but they're needed. They're needed. And God is bringing them out of Egypt, and he says, I love you. I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you the way you are. So i got to do a reset. i got to get Egypt out of you i got to get this out of you. So he set up a system and he began by saying, this is going to be the beginning of your new life. And so he set a system. Everybody say system. 
This is the system. You can write it down. I'm going to give you a little teaching here for a moment, but it's important, and it, and it ties in with Jesus. This is what, how God originally designed uh, his people to have a right relationship with him, okay? So he had Moses make the tabernacle. Put that picture up there on the screen. This is the tabernacle that God had Israel make, okay? It's the curtains. Many of you know that already. Um, There's a whole teaching, like a series can be done on this one, uh, on the tabernacle. We've taught them before. I'm sure you know about it. Jesus is all in there. But just a couple of things I do want to bring up because this is about how God said, I want you to have a reset. If you need a reset in your life, this is the system that God put in place that is still supposed to be going on today. The first thing is he said that door. Everybody see the bottom of the, okay, go to that next slide. It's a little better in this next slide. So the next slide kind of shows a little clearer. So you had one entrance into the holy place. Now, God dwelt in that little building there with the tent over it. That's where the priest would go in. God would speak with Moses. Okay, they would perform these sacrifices. And the camp of Israel was all around this tabernacle. And when God, he brought them out of Egypt, he told Moses to build this. And whenever God, he slowly is moving man from Egypt to the promised land. So when the cloud began to move, they would pack this thing up and they would follow the presence of the Lord, symbolic to you and I following the leading of the Lord. That's why all y'all, we drove out here today because this is where the Lord put us. You follow the Lord. And this is in every decision we make. You need to be led by the Spirit of God, not by our flesh. That's another whole teaching. When the, when the clouds stopped, they put this up. But I want you to see the first thing was to get in. The, you had, there was only one way to get in. And the one way to get in for having a right relationship with God is still the same thing for today. How many know there was only one way to get into a right relationship with God? That's Jesus. Now, let me help some of you who may already be offended because we live in a day where, where no one wants to be absolute on anything. And, and I'm just here to tell you, it's not that God is being uh, exclusive. It's that more that he's being specific. He, he, he say, it's like me, okay? I live 30 minutes away from here. And you can get on I-94, but you've got to go east to get to my house. I don't care how good intentions you may have. I don't care how, how you feel, how you've been taught, what your family has taught you. If, if you want to get on 94, you've got to go east to get to my house. And if you get on 94 and say, Pastor Eddie, I feel like going 90, I feel like going west. You can drive as long as your car will take you. And be having good intentions and, and just good feelings. I just feel like it's 94 West, Pastor Ed. You're too dogmatic. I mean, the Jesus is, that the whole thing is too, listen, you can do all you want, but you'll never, ever, ever get to my house going that way. Jesus is saying, we can have all the good intentions in the world. We, we can even come to church. We can learn about God. We, we can learn some of the Christian songs. But until we come through that door, which is Jesus Christ, we cannot have a right relationship with God. Am I at the right church today? You know why? I would even take it a step further. What we celebrate this week is because Jesus says, I'm the only one that is going to die for your sins. 
No one has died for the sins of the world and has raised again on the third day. Muhammad did not do that. I'm sorry. Being spiritual did not do that. Being a good person is good, but it's not good enough. We must pass through the door, and that means be born again. That means surrender our heart to Jesus. Believe and trust that he is Lord and he is the Messiah. So when I say reset, that's reset. You can stand all in front of the door and watch everybody else go in and be like, I'm just going to chill right here. you got to go through there in order to get a reset. God said, this is the way I got it set up. When you walk through the door, the first thing you saw was the, was the uh, altar. Let me make mention of this. What I love about this is every front door of even Jewish synagogues to this day, when we were in Israel, we saw this. To this day, the front door of every Jewish synagogue faces east. And it does that because in the ancient world, and even some today, they worship the sun, they worship other gods that were, especially in the old world, eastern gods and were known to be living uh, related to the sun and all of that kind of stuff. So in order to come into relationship with Jehovah God, you had to turn your back on the east and walk 100% into the direction of God. How many has turned your back on the world and said, if none go with me, yet I will follow? Come on, somebody. That's reset. That's reset. That's reset. You know, you can't, you can't moon. I know I got Adidas on, but don't get the phone out now. You can't do that with Christianity. Jesus said, wants us to go this way, and he wants us to go in. First thing you saw was the altar of... So once you're saved, you begin to learn that there's a sacrifice involved with this thing about reset. There's an altar of sacrifice that represents repentance. That represents putting our flesh on there. In the Old Testament, they put animals. But in the New Testament, it says, I beg you, brother, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It's that Romans tells us that. What's the problem with a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice always tries to crawl off. That's the problem. So, so once you're, it's not a salvation issue. You're, now you're in the tent. You're saved by grace through faith. But once you're in there, if you want to really have a reset mindset, you've got to learn to put that flesh on the altar. Come on, somebody, help me today. This, this is what God is saying. Israel, you used to do this when you were in Egypt. But now, if you're wanting a right relationship with me, and the key word is a right relationship, because you can have a relationship with somebody. It don't mean it's a good relationship with somebody. You may have a relationship with that neighbor down the street, but it's not a good relationship with the neighbor down the street. You may, have a good, you may have a relationship in your family, but it's not a good relationship with that family. When they show up, you pick up your plate and go to the other side of the room. Why? You have a relationship, but it's not good. God said, this is how you have a right relationship with me. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. And then, then you get from the altar of sacrifice, you get to the bronze and laver, which is right there. Uh, if you've seen that picture, it's right before you go into the holies of holies. And then once you go in there, there's levels of the Holy Spirit. There, there's, how many know that there is much more to God than what we know even right now? How many know that there is still room for growth in your life right now? How many would say, yes, pastor? Yes, pastor. How many would say, I don't know everything. I haven't arrived. I'm, I'm better than I was when I was in Egypt, but I'm not as good as I need to be with God. How many would say amen to that right now? Come on. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. That's good. That's good. Well, the Lord had him go to the bronze and laver. That is water. That represents, uh, they would have to wash themselves in that laver. That represents water baptism. It also represents, uh, in Ephesians, it says that, the, the Lord washes our minds 
by the reading of the word. One of my favorite scriptures in Ephesians there. By washing, how many need your, people say, you go to that church. I remember when I was going to church, I said, Pastor Eddie, you're getting brainwashed in that church. I said, no, I need to be power washed in that church. You need to take a power wash to this, this mind. How many would know what I'm talking about? This is how you do it. It's through the word of God, through the washing of the word. Everybody say reset. This is how you and I are to have a reset going on. This was the process that God said, I want you to have this, Moses. I want you to teach the children, uh, my children, to do this. It's to, it's to come through the gate. There's only one way. And, and put that flesh, have that sacrifice, and, and, and wash the mind. This is a continuum that's supposed to happen throughout your experience in the wilderness. And when this happened, we're told uh, that the Lord in, in, the, in Exodus, look what happened. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, a young man, would not depart from the tabernacle. Look at that. Let's keep going. We'll come back to that. Then it says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and he spoke to him. And he took of the spirit that was upon Moses. That's a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. He took the Holy Spirit because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't dwell in us. He dwelt with us, right? We'll learn about that as we are approaching Pentecost Sunday. And let me just say right now while I'm on it, we got a, we got a revival scheduled for that weekend. And I know it's Memorial Weekend, but it's also Pentecost Sunday. But we're still going to have service on that weekend. So if you're in town, you need to come to that weekend. But anyway, as we approach Pentecost Sunday... But God said, I'm going to take the Holy Spirit that is upon Moses. I'm going to take that from you, and I'm going to put it upon the elders of the church, the 70 elders. And it happened when the Spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Then Moses said, oh, that all of the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his Spirit upon them. So this is the result of the reset of what God intended for his people, you and I, to do. This was supposed to be the norm for God and his people. For all of us to experience the presence of the Lord like Moses and the elders. It started with, this is how the church, this is a picture of the church. What Jesus said in the New Testament is supposed to be where Pastor Moses and, and our leaders are getting a fresh word from God and they're bringing it to the people. This is what the Lord is saying. And they were supposed to be leading of how to live during this time. The church should be leading right now in our society. You got crazy things happening all around us. The church shouldn't be scared and be bound up in fear and getting pulled into these corners. We're, we're supposed to be the one leading and saying, hey, I met with God. God, and this is what the Lord told me. This is what he's showing me in his word. Family, dads, moms, get your kids around. Listen, I know this is happening at your school, and I know this is happening at the media, but we are followers of God, and this is what the Lord is saying, how we are to live our lives and how we are to treat one another. The, the leadership was spirit-filled, and, and I love that the, the, the 70 elders were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you had the young generation, Joshua, they, they were seeking the Lord. He was so hungry for God that he was like, Lord, I just want to be with the presence of the Lord, a young man. He would not leave the temple. He said, this is where I want to be. And by the way, it was, it was Joshua who later he uh, was the one to lead that younger generation, even under Joshua's generation. Now follow this. 
into the promised land. There were some of the older ones that went, Joshua and Caleb, because they continued with the reset. But many drifted from God and began to just live their own lives and get the Egyptian mindset was just too much. They didn't continue with the reset. They didn't continue with God. So their lives got bogged down. Their lives, they began to always complain and be critical. You can read it right after a miracle would happen in the Bible. They would go right back to their old critical thinking and jealous and judgy and and carnal thinking throughout the whole Old Testament. It was a constant thing. But Joshua and Caleb and, that, and a few others would be hungry for God and would allow God to reset them. This is what I believe the Lord is doing in our day right now. Is he's wanting to do this reset in our lives. We have an opportunity right now to lead like never before. Because the country and the world is in turmoil right now. You can see that. And I believe that God is looking for his church and he's saying, this is your time as it was in the days of of Acts to stand up and say, hey, this is the way we ought ought to go. And so this is what happened. But they drifted away from the Lord. They begin to, as it says, they, they were pro- the, the leaders were f- uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, but they only did it one time. This is, you know, uh, we get filled with the Holy Spirit and, and pray in tongues, and sometimes we, well, I already did that, and we start to neglect the spiritual gifts of God. When's the last time you prayed in your prayer language? When's the last time you really walked and spent time in the presence of the Lord? So these guys did it once, but never did it again. They were like, check the box. And they begin to drift. And you know what happened with these 70 elders? Over a period of time, their descendants, listen, their descendants formed a group called Pharisees and Sadducees. They were descendants of these 70 people that used to be on fire for God. They used to love his presence. They used to get up and read the word of God. When when they saw the Egyptian mindsets coming back, they go, I got to get back into the temple. I got to get back through that gate. I got to get back in there. I got to get this flesh. I got to get that back on the altar. I got to get over to the laver and I got to wash this thinking out. I got to get this doubtful thinking out of my mind. I got to get it out. I got to get the Egyptian thinking out. But these guys didn't. They just continued to drift from the things of God. And then now we get to Jesus today. Jesus comes into the temple and he goes right to the temple. He comes into Jerusalem and he goes right to the temple. He loves the praises. He loves that the people are waving their palm branches at him, but he realizes just in five short days, the same people singing Hosanna are gonna be saying, crucify him, crucify him. Isn't that always just so... Uh, revealing of how fickle we can be. One week we're singing Hosanna. Now there was a group that didn't say crucify him. There was a group saying let him go. But the majority of the crowds were the same ones that were welcoming him in saying Jesus is awesome. Later, just a week later, by seeing what was happening around him, would crucify him. Jesus knew, so he goes right to the temple. And I showed you a picture of what the tabernacle looked like that God had Moses build. Well, now, over hundreds of years, this is what the temple looked like when Jesus came to uh, Jerusalem. It's a little nicer, wouldn't you say? This is actually the second temple. It's a little, ge- this is a little class today, a little history class. 
This is the temple actually that Herod built. When we went to Jerusalem in 2017, the only thing left is that western wall. So this was what the same process. You had a door that you came through, only one door. You had uh, the sacrifices took place. The big building standing up, that's where the Holies of Holies was in, the Ark of the Covenant. And so Jesus comes to this temple. This is what will be read today, guys. This is where Jesus comes. It's huge. And if you look at the out courts. You see the people on both sides? That is called the Gentile court. This is important. To, or you're going to miss the whole uh, text of what we just read. When Jesus comes in and he throws the money changers out, people don't understand really what happened. This is what he did. He didn't go up in the center. He went to those two sides. Those were called the Gentile courts. In other, in other words, God said, I want that space reserved for all people. That's why he said, My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Because he was in the Gentile court. There should have been Europeans, Africans, people from Turkey, Greeks, Mediterraneans. That's where, that should have been filled with them. But when Jesus got there, all he saw was tables set up by the Jewish leaders. They didn't want no other people there. What does this represent? That's representing when people don't want outreach. They, they don't. They don't want to be missional. They, you know, we don't want them people coming to our church. We we we, we don't want. It's messy to make disciples. It, it's it's messy to reach out. You're gonna have a missions month. You're gonna talk about missionaries. And no, no, no. We we don't want that. We we want we want just our comfortable religious traditions. We we got programs. That this would be the same as a church that had no altar space. There was nobody encountering the presence of the Lord. There was no Gentiles, nobody there. The the thing that Moses had, it wasn't there. There was no young people, no Joshua's hungry for God. There, there There was no presence of the Lord there. Jesus walks in and he sees it and he goes, what is going on? He looks and he goes, where's all the people? This is, this is huge. This is a huge, if you look at it, it's huge. That thing was 10 football fields wide, four and a half football fields deep. It was actually called the Temple Mount because it's the top of a mountain. When you come into Jerusalem, you saw the temple. You were like, whoa, what is that? And they would say, come and see. It's the house of Jehovah God, the God of the Jews who brought them out of Egyptian slavery. And they were supposed to say, come, all of you from Arabia, come, all of you. All of you, even the Scottish people can come. All of you come. You came over on boats. Come, everybody can come. That's what they were supposed to do. But it wasn't happening like that. They came up in there and they set up tables. There was no, no, no mission, no outreach. There was no altars. I come into a church and there's no altars. There's no, no opportunity for people to encounter God. There's, there's no prayer, praying for people. There, there's none of that. Man, we don't need that right now. We just got to set up tables. It's sad, but where we're living at today. And Jesus said, I need to do a reset. And the Bible says he made a whip. He didn't go buy it. He sat down and he made a whip. He began to go into that place. He began to throw tables out. I wonder what Jesus would do if he came to our churches in America. What would he do as an individual if he really visited you today at your house? Bring it, bring it in today. What would he do if he looked at your, your history on your internet? Have you looked at your screen time versus 
your FaceTime with God. This is what I'm talking about. Because it's so easy for us to point fingers at the Jewish people but in those days. But don't we do the same thing? Instead of meeting with God, we, we like to set up tables and, and reasons and programs and, and other things and stay busy and busy and busy. And, and it was all about the money. It was all about the exchanging your money. In the church, we get a little bit of money. It was all about that. And Jesus said, there's no presence. There's no presence with my people. What did this do? This ended up causing the people, the leaders did this, but it ended up causing the people to have no desire for God. They didn't really care about God. They looked at the older generation and they looked at the church and they were like, man, I don't even know if I'm down with all of that. They began to deconstruct their faith because that little verse that everybody skips over, it says this, right after he he was throwing the money changers out. It says he taught. He stopped and he began to teach what I'm telling you today. But it says this in Mark 11, that he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. You ever see that? Everybody skips right over that verse. What is that? Jesus is throwing tables up and he's, he's mad at the leadership. And it's easy to point fingers at the leadership. But now he's coming for the people. And he's upset with the people that are supposed to be leading in the people of God. And I know this is, this is tough, but this is what he did. This is what we read on Palm Sunday. You see, wares means purchases. If you put that picture of the temple back up, since it was so big, as I told you, four and a half deep and ten football fields wide, you had the city Jerusalem was down here at the bottom. This is where the city was of Jerusalem. You would come here to buy, purchase things and buy things. And then you would have to go up around the temple to Bethpage and Bethany. That's where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That's where their homes were. So on the Sabbath, they didn't want to come to church. They they didn't want to worship God. I mean, that's their day off. They're going to go into Jerusalem and they're going to buy some things. They're going to they're going to buy. This is their only day off, man. They're really not into the God thing. Last time they went to church, it was too big and you know whatever. And I'm not into that. So so here you got a generation of people coming up saying, I'm really not interested in becoming a part of the body of Christ. I'm just going to cut through the church so I don't have to go all the way around. I'm going to use the church actually for a shortcut. Somebody say amen or oh me. Uh, and so, and so they, they say, I'm not going to go around. I'm just going to go into church. I've got to get in and get out. How long is this pastor going to be? I've got to get to the more important things in my life. This is what was happening. This is what was happening in your Bible 2,000 years ago. I'm not really interested in joining in with the tamal because they would have teachings of learning scripture. There would be a priest over here, you know, learning the, the Shema and all of these things. And nobody was down for all that stuff. You can have that in your prayers because they see so many people come into the temple and come out and they're really not changed anyway. And so why am I going to waste my time coming into the church? But could you imagine that guy that day that came to cut through the church and Jesus was there? Could you imagine him going to Ikea to buy him a bookshelf? And he's like, I'm just going to cut through the temple today. Hey, Joe, help me. Help me carry my shelf. You know, I, I'm just going to, let's cut through the church. And, and they cut through the sh- church. They turn the corner. There's the Messiah. With a whip. 
Should we get whips for our greeters? <laughs> I don't know. John the Baptist was a greeter that I, don't, I wouldn't put on our team, but he was pretty rough too. <laughs> Welcome to church, brood of vipers. Who has warned you to flee their coming wrath? It's funny, we laugh at it. I think it's hilarious. But you know what John was doing? <laughs> the Messiah is coming. It's time to have a reset. Jesus comes. He looks around. And he says he would not allow. So I don't know how that went down. I don't think he was like, listen, let's have a conversation. I know you don't feel really good right now, and you think I'm just going to gaslight you, and you don't feel like coming to church. You shouldn't use the church to carry that when God gave you the money to buy that. Instead of being in the house to worship him, you're shopping. I, I, I don't know if he was that nice. I think he was like, boy, what you doing? Go back to that scripture. I, I, I must misread it. It must be in a wrong, it must be Mark 11. It must be something that I'm not really sure what it says. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. He turned a the corner, they looked, and here's the Messiah. They had the same loving hands and open blinded eyes, laid hands on their children and blessed them. It's the hands that that said, move the stone, Lazarus, come forth. It's the Messiah, the Son of God. And now he's coming at the church. But he's saying, guys, I need you to reset your priorities. This is the message of Palm Sunday, River of Life, that we think is about palm branches. I don't even get a palm branch. What kind of church is this? Because Jesus said, you know, really not about all that. It's about letting me do something in your life. Could this Asbury revival and these young people, that God is using these young people to begin to reset the church? As, as, I, as I got up the other night, I went and looked up. Don't put it up yet, uh, Larence. <laughs> I looked up generations, just curious. You got the boomers. How many boomers we got here? You got the boomers. Y'all are tough. You guys set it up. You guys came out strong. Jesus, you, me and my house, my dad would, I put a lock on my door, he would kick that door down and say, boy, that's my house. That, that's my, how many was raised like that? I sassed my mama. My mama was anointed. She was gifted. She could hold that skillet. Pow! Without even, she'll hit you with a flip-flop. That was mom. I know she's sweet, but hey, might not have been you. Might not have been you, but that's my story. They were tough. They were from their old school. Then you had, you had, I don't got time to break all of this down. You had Generation X. All I want is my MTV and my Adidas. Come on, somebody. That's what we're about. I mean, that, that's our generation. Then you had millennials. My daughters are millennials. And then you have the Generation Z that is going on right now that many are saying, man, God ain't going to do nothing with this generation. And isn't it so interesting that it is that very generation that God is starting the awakening? So I got thinking, I went and Googled it, and do you know what the, that's your Joshua generation. Joshua led the other generation under them into the promised land. When I looked that up, now I'll put it up, Lawrence. This is what the 10-year-olds and under are called. 
the alphas. Could it be that the one generation that we think has forgotten God and deconstructed their faith because they see so much tables instead of the presence when they come to church that they'd rather go to Ikea and be with their boyfriend and go on all of it than to be in the house of God. That God says, I want to use you to begin to bring your children into my church because I'm not done with America yet. I'm not done with the church yet. I'm not done. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell. Could it be that they didn't even know what they were naming? And they named an entire generation beginning. Give you these five things, then we're going to pray. Altar team or worship team, make your way up. These are five symptoms that you need to reset. I don't got time to break them down. You need to write them down. These are five symptoms that we have become like the 70 elders, the children of Israel. You ready? Number one, uh, fleshly entanglements have returned. If you have been set free, church, because he's come, he come to the church first, and, and God might have saved you and brought you out of bondage, but you find yourself entangled once again in the flesh. It's time for a reset. It's time for a reset. Maybe too, you have a pessimistic attitude. This is overlooked by so many, but this is the main reason why that entire generation couldn't enter into Israel. It wasn't because of their fornicating and their drunkenness. That was only listed once. Do you know what you find over and over and over again about the Old Testament? They complained and murmured against God. They were negative Nellies. I said, God, am I getting to the place where I can't? That's why I started off thanking God publicly for all of you and for this church. Because we can forget the faithfulness of God and become so pessimistic and negative all the time. How many know some negative people? Look right this way in case you're sitting next to them. They wouldn't be, there's going to be people in heaven, I'm sure, try to complain. If this is something that you're battling, this is an old mindset from Egypt. It is not from your God. You better get that laver and get that water and get that mindset out. You need a reset. You really said you're too busy or bogged down to be with God. This was the 70 elders. They prophesied, but it was only one time. It was only one time. They got too busy for the things of God. They were like, yeah, that was a fun experience, man. I really got on fire. I really went on that missions trip. Yeah, I really went to that life group. And man, I really connected. But you ain't been back since. Not getting on you. Jesus is getting on all of us. And he's not the little wimpy guy with sandals running through the cloud, running through the cornfields. He's standing there with a whip in his hand saying church I died for you I gave you my spirit it's time for us to lead this culture turn this culture around don't don't cancel culture redeem culture let's lead this place come on come on somebody amen they made made me too busy lost your passion to serve others we'd rather set up tables I want to want to be missional what is and we, we can set up good tables Right? We can set up spiritual tables. I'm, we're not a missional church. We just are an intercessory church. That's a code for saying we don't want to mess with unchurched people. Do both. Prayer is the first thing we're called to do, but it's not the only thing we're called to do. And lastly, 
you're not really a part of in a healthy way about the body of Christ. You're just carrying wares through the church. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut to my kids, throw them in the nursery. I'm only here. When they get too old to come to church, I'm out, bro. When my kids get too old, you ain't gonna see me in church anymore. And and I've, I've seen it. I used to bring my kids, get them dedicated. I'd come to Easter to make mama happy. I'd go right back out in the car. I'd roll one up. I'd go to the party. I had no interest in serving God. I used to carry wares, carry other things too with the church. But this year would be 26 years that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. But I had to put the bookshelf from Ikea down. And I said, God, I, I got to be a, a part of the body of Christ. I love what Eric Mason, I love him. I follow him. He's a preacher from Philly. And he put on Facebook, he said, beware of those who try to minister to you, but are not a part of a church and have no covering. He said, it's like somebody with no kids trying to teach you how to raise kids. I said, preach, pastor. <laughs> but we don't like church because that person's there and they annoy me. Well, you know what? God put them there because you annoy him. And both of you are working together. I'm pastoring you today. It's been a few weeks, so i got to get it all out at once. What happens when... Come here, LaDon. What happens when you're with somebody... What's up, bro? He don't know what I'm doing. Turn around. What happens with somebody when, when you're not the same, you have differences, you start rubbing up against each other? You know what God starts doing? He starts knocking those edges off of you. He starts knocking them edges off of you. I just want everybody to see you in that nice shirt, brother. That's all. Come on up. I believe this is the whole message I'm going to pray, that God is doing a reset. He's wanting to do a reset to his church. You see leaders. You see all kinds of things, people falling and stuff. It's been happening over the last five, since COVID. I believe that's God resetting his church. And now you got the younger generation saying, I'm not down with all this crazy stuff that I've seen some of the millennials. I don't want to put all millennials with a... My daughters are millennials. There's a lot of millennials that love God. We got them here in this church. They're not all that generation. Just like all the boomers ain't crazy either. If we would just get together on some stuff. I know we don't talk the same. My generation just sits back and watch y'all laugh. (laughs) The enemy wants to divide us. Oh, I need more time. But God said, what would happen if we just come together? And since we're fighting over our political ideologies, God said, let me raise up this group over here. Let me see if Joshua is still hungry for the presence of God. Because i got another whole generation that ain't nobody even thinking about yet. That's watching older brother and sister come to church. That's watching older and brother and sister go on missions trip. And I want that kind of God. I want the presence of the Lord. What Moses had. I, I want that. Does anybody else want that today at River of Life? Oh, won't you stand to your feet today and say, God, I need that today. I need that today. How many need a reset today? How many need a reset today? Listen, these altars are open. I I just, this might be a series. I don't know, because I got so much more to say about a reset. But if you need a reset today, come on, don't, 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 don't unplug, don't unplug. The Holy Spirit has been convicting you from the moment I got up here. And the Holy Spirit has begun to tell you he needs to reset your heart. Some of y'all have already been reset, but you need to reset it again. Remember that old 80s infomercial, the dude with the crazy hair? He would say, all you got to do is set it and... (laughs) I wish I would say your mind is that way. 
come to church, hear a good message. I'm reset, test ready, I'm good. Monday, you're going to need to reset it again. Monday, you got to go through that door. Monday, you got to get that on the altar. Monday morning, you better get that word over that mind because somebody didn't shake your hand Sunday on the way out. And you know they saw you, but they're enjoying So now you've got these thoughts coming. Pastor's preaching today with him, Adidas on Robert Amy. Come on, somebody. I need, how many need a reset today? How many need a reset today? Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.